Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The numbers have been staggering. We have 13 states where over a million people have already voted. Turnout for early voting and mail-in balloting in this election has been off the charts. We could be looking at turnout percentages that uh, we haven't seen since the early 60s or perhaps even since World War I. In this week's 880 In-Depth, how the pandemic has hastened long-sought voting reforms in the U.S. And a bigger question, will it work? I'm Tim Sheld from WCBS News Radio 880, and this week we hear from election expert David Becker, who when I reached out to him this week, was, in a word, ecstatic. 40 million people have already voted. That's great, isn't it? Are you excited about that? That's, it's amazing. It's, uh, excited isn't the right word. Inspired is the right word. I mean, it's um, unprecedented in American history. We've never seen anything even remotely close to this. More from David Becker from the Center for Election Innovation and Research later on. But first, a closer look at voting in New York. Do you feel ready? Yes, yes. I, I believe that we, as a state, the county boards, um, as county officials and administrators of the election, I think that we are ready for this election. For only the third time in our history, New Yorkers will have the chance to cast their ballots in early voting, underway this Saturday, October 24th, for a period of nine days. Our Peter Haskell got on the phone with John Conklin, from the New York State Board of Elections. I'm not really sure what to expect. Um, We don't have anything to compare it to, like you said. Uh, This is the third election in the state where we've had early voting. The first one was last fall's general election, which typically is the lowest turnout election in the four-year cycle. It's strictly, you know, largely local offices. Uh, The second one was this year's primary. you know, last year we had about 256,000 voters come out uh, during early voting, which was, you know, less than 2% of the electorate. Uh, the primary was about 93,000 voters, still a very minuscule amount. So um, I, I don't have anything to compare it to. Uh, if you'd asked me this question at different points during the year, I would probably have given you different answers. It seemed like a lot of people were going to early vote, then a lot of people were going to absentee vote, then it may be switching back more to early voting. So I, I really have virtually no idea what to expect once early voting begins. I think based on some uh, experiences in other states right now, maybe we'll have a very busy day on the first day, and then it may trail off a bit, but we'll see. We've seen in other places with early voting, people lined up for hours. So two things. One, do you think that could might happen here? And two, do you feel this system can handle all these folks? It's possible. Um, you know, I think 
I think New York City added a number of early voting sites for this cycle. I think they're going to have 88 um, locations in the five boroughs statewide. We're going to have about 287 sites for early voting, um, and that's up by about 30 from last fall. Uh, the other thing is that the early voting sites are also going to be places where people can drop off an absentee ballot if they want to. So you may have people who are showing up to do early voting, which would be an, obviously an in-person vote, but you may have people also coming because they want to drop off their absentee ballot. So, um, and, I, and, and the plan is uh, that we've instructed uh, the local boards and they've instructed their poll workers for people to periodically run through the line and say, anyone here to drop off an absentee ballot and bring them out of the line and let them go in, drop off their ballot and leave. So that may alleviate some of the lines. Tell us about vote counting for, for the early voting, for the absentee voting. When does that start? Uh, well, early voting is, is the same as Election Day. It's a machine vote. The voter's going to get a paper ballot, and they put it in the scanner. Those votes uh, will all be tallied on election night uh, just before the polls close. So between 8 and 9 o'clock, that's when the early voting votes will be tallied. Uh, election day ballots will be will be tallied again. They're machine ballots. Uh, they will be tallied after nine o'clock on election night. Absentee ballots, emergency ballots, affidavit ballots are what are sometimes called provisional ballots in other states. Those will be uh, canvassed and counted after election day per state law. After the primary, there were some races where it took weeks before the count was completed. Are you concerned something like that could happen again, especially in a high-turnout presidential race? I'm not concerned about it. It's going to happen. We, we will. I, I don't expect us to know the results of any race on election night. And if, uh, for the primary, the number of absentee ballots that we had was close to 50% of the electorate. So if it's similar for the general election, you're not going to know any results until all of those absentee ballots are counted, and it will take uh, weeks after the election for that to happen. Uh, you know, the canvassing of an absentee ballot is a multi-step process. It's labor-intensive, uh, and all of those steps have to be have to occur in front of um, uh, observers who can potentially object during the process. So uh, it will take it will take weeks before those ballots are counted. Now, uh, by statute, the county boards are supposed to be done with their their certification of their local results by November 28th. Uh, we are supposed to report results to the Electoral College by December 8th. My anticipation is that m most uh, county boards will be somewhere around the 28th, but before the 8th. So it'll be in that period of time where we will get all the certified results from the counties. But it will take time to count those absentee ballots. In case you missed what John Conklin told Peter Haskell just then, it bears repeating. It will take weeks to count New York's absentee votes. By some estimates, there may be as many as 4 million of them when all is said and done. All registered voters in New York were given a chance to request the mail-in ballots or absentee ballots this year to help handle any discomfort of voting in person during the pandemic. But in New York, those mail-in ballots or absentee ballots are considered provisional votes, and they will not even be touched until a day or two after Election Day. 
the process of verifying those ballots, making sure that those who sent them in have not already voted in person, will take weeks. And that means close races in New York may not have clear winners for weeks. We brought this concern up to David Becker. He's executive director and founder of the Center for Election Innovation and Research. Vote by mail is not for everyone. It is, um, it is particularly useful for those who are frequent voters who are familiar with the system, who have voted by mail before, or perhaps feel as if going out in public and voting in person may put them at risk. Those, th- that Vote by mail is a great option for those voters. It's very good that New Yorkers have it. But if they have any doubt, they should feel entirely comfortable going and voting in person early. It's safe. It's convenient. There may be some lines, but they won't last that long. And those votes will be tabulated quickly and will be among the first reported. So I think that's really important to recognize. Over half of all voters in the United States, even with all the mail voting we see, over half of all the voters in the United States are likely to vote in person in this election. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's completely fine if you feel comfortable doing it. But in many other states, mail-in balloting is off the charts. And in most of those states, those early votes will be counted either before or on Election Day. We have had 40 million Americans already return their ballots either by mail or vote early in person. We have 13 states where over a million people have already voted. And that includes places like uh, Texas, where about 5 million have voted. Um, California, where 4.5 million have voted. Florida, where over 3 million have voted. North Carolina is approaching 2 million. Georgia is approaching 2 million. Michigan is approaching 2 million. We've never seen anything like this in American history. So the question is going to be, and I don't think we're going to get an answer until Election Day, whether or not this will help us exceed voter participation compared to last uh, presidential, uh, the last presidential election in 2016, or whether this simply is just a replacement for the way we have normally voted. Well, I don't know any observer or scholar of uh, American voter turnout that doesn't think that we're going to break all records this year. Um, And that includes myself. We are going to possibly approach 150 million or perhaps even exceed 150 million voters in this election. That blows away all previous records. We are going to see a percentage of eligible voter turnout that likely exceeds the 2008 election, um, which is around 61 or 62 percent of eligible voters. Um, And that was the highest voter turnout by percentage since 18 year olds were given the right to vote in presidential elections in 1972. So um, we could be looking at turnout percentages that uh, we haven't seen since the early 60s or perhaps even since World War One. I think this is not just about the presidential election, although clearly that has a lot to do with it. I mean, I think the American voter is making sure, perhaps unlike we've seen in any past election, that their voice is heard in this election, that there are issues of concern to them. And no matter who they're voting for, they're making a plan and they're getting out there early. Anything concern you, anything bubbling up uh, in any of these localities that um, would concern you? No. In fact, um, you know, even with early reports of lines on the first day of early voting in some places in the morning, when, of course, there will be lines because they haven't opened up yet, 
um, we are seeing relatively few issues. There are always issues in an election like this. There are 150 million Americans doing the same thing at roughly the same time in a process run by millions of volunteers. And that means there will be mistakes. There will be things that don't go quite right. That doesn't mean there's any problem with the election at all. That's just human nature. Um, but we are seeing, given the incredible turnout, the stresses on the system, we are seeing um, remarkably few problems. I mean, if you look at places like Harris County, Texas, where Houston is, or Fulton County, Georgia, where Atlanta is, or places in Florida and North Carolina and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Michigan, they are assisting these voters. Voters are getting their votes delivered. They're getting their votes cast. And we're seeing a few problems here or there, but relatively minor ones, given the tremendous turnout we're seeing so far. I mean, we could see numbers nationally um, of 80 million, 90 million, or even 100 million people voting before Election Day, which would be unusual in the sense that we could have fewer people voting on Election Day than we have, in, have than we've seen in 2016 or 2012, but actually much higher overall turnout because so many people made a, made a plan to vote early. Well, I, I would suspect that that might have been a dream of yours, that that, that was a goal to attain, that, that let allow the system to work so well, to give so, so many people so much opportunity <clears throat> that it's not this log jam uh, from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. or what have you in these states. That's exactly right. I mean, the more we can spread out the spread the voters out over a period of time rather than concentrate them in just a few hours on election day. That's always good. But then you add in the fact that we're in a pandemic and people need to maintain social distancing and they need to feel safe. And we want to minimize lines and we want to minimize concentrations of people indoors casting ballots for as much as, as much as we can. It is safe to do so. It's probably safer than going to the grocery store, but still for people's comfort, we want to make sure that people um, can feel as safe as possible. We minimize the time they have to be in any kind of proximity to anybody else. Having this number of people vote before Election Day means we're going to see shorter lines on Election Day. We're going to see fewer people needing to vote on that last day of voting. And it also means that the chance that we will be able to get results earlier goes up. We will those those early votes are banked. In most states, with some exceptions, they are being processed right now. In other words, the envelopes are being reviewed, the ballots are being separated from the envelopes, and they're being, pla- they're being put into scanners so that they're not tabulated yet. We don't know who's, who's being voted for on those ballots, but on election night, all they'll have to do when the polls close is push a button to get the tabulation that exists inside those scanners. So the more early votes we get, the sooner we're likely to get results, partial results from the states that could be um, make clear who's won those states. Before we wrapped up with David Becker, we wanted to ask about the idea of voter fraud. We've heard a number of stories about voters who've gotten multiple ballots sent to their home. Wrong ballots, wrong names, wrong addresses. So why shouldn't we worry about someone voting more than once in this election? Every mail ballot goes through not one but two validation processes. First, the application process, and once the application is reviewed, a mail ballot is sent. Even if there is a problem there, and there have been anecdotes, um, some very much unconfirmed, perhaps false, about people getting multiple ballots or ballots going to wrong places, but accidents do happen, mistakes do happen. And if that happens, you absolutely should not vote any ballot that is not yours, because you will be caught 
in the second validation process. When that ballot comes back, every single ballot is reviewed. There's a barcode on the ballot. It's confirmed to see who it came from and whether it was the same person it was sent to. All of the personal information you put on the absentee ballot envelope is checked against the voter file, including the voter signature. So there are multiple checks in place. If anyone returns a ballot that is not theirs or tries to return a second ballot, it is a great way to spend some time courtesy of Uncle Sam in a federal penitentiary. You will spend many years there and you will have thousands of dollars of fines. And the big payoff was that you tried to cast one additional ballot in an election in which 150 million were cast. This is why we see very little voter fraud in the United States. Americans take elections very seriously, and there are a lot of checks and balances in place to make sure that voter fraud doesn't occur on any kind of widespread scale. Uh, David, what didn't I ask you that I should have? I think that's about it. (laughs) Thank you. I, I appreciate it. My pleasure, Tim. In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. We do these stories weekly and hope to dig into a topic to help us all understand it better. The executive producers are Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Sheld. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for 880 In-Depth. And as always, be well, be safe, and please, if you haven't already, vote. swing nba playoffs are heating up and your nfl team is gearing up for training camp listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the odyssey app the biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app 